So we're learning how to pray the rosary in Latin. A lot of people have an initial question. Why pray the rosary in Latin? Does God prefer Latin? Does it make the rosary more powerful? Is Latin itself magical? Why not just pray the rosary in your own language? If you're American, pray in English. If you're from a Hispanic country, pray in Spanish. Why Latin? So today I'm going to go through 10 reasons on why Latin is important. Now, of course, you can pray in your own language. God does hear it. What matters most is the heart, is the mind focused on Christ. You could pray it in Latin, you could pray it in Hebrew, you could pray it in Greek, but if your heart isn't in it and you aren't speaking to God, it's, it's worthless, right? So ultimately, it is the rhythm of prayer when we pray the rosary. It's the attention that we give God. It's the meditation on the mysteries. But Latin's also important. That's why we're going through this whole exercise of learning the rosary in Latin. So here are the 10 reasons quickly. And this applies to the Latin Mass as well, or any prayer, the uh, the Divine Office, the Liturgy of the Hour in Latin, the St. Michael Prayer in Latin, everything in Latin. Here are 10 reasons to consider it. Number one, there were three languages on the cross when Christ died on the cross for our sins, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And theologians, fathers, have seen that there is a certain power and a certain fittingness of having those three languages adopted in the liturgy for God's people. Secondly, Latin as a dead language is unchanging. So the vocabulary and the meaning is not in flux. For example, if I say, wow, that bike is really cool. If I said that a hundred years ago, people would maybe put their hand on the bike to see if the bike was cold. The word cool has changed. And that's happened to so many words in English. Every language has this development. Latin has ceased to develop. So the terms, which are theological, are wooden. They're engraved. They have a perpetual meaning. And when you're doing theology, that's very important. Number three, vernacular changes. You've seen this in, for example, Novus Ordo Liturgy, where Already, since the 1970s, they had to update the language. Why? Because the vernacular is changing. So a benefit to Latin is it's unchanging. A negative to the vernacular is that it is changing. And here are some examples. So you'll, when you're praying the rosary with people, there's usually a little bit of a, of a traffic jam or a train wreck when you get to the glory be. Some people will say the traditional glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. That's the traditional. People are like, well, we don't talk like that anymore. So they drop out the B, they change Holy Ghost to Holy Spirit, and they take out world without end. So you'll hear them say, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and I think they say, will be forever. Amen. Here in vernacular, we already have two versions. And when you're praying with a group of people in the rosary, when this happens, inevitably there is a little bit of friction. When you pray in Latin, it doesn't have to be updated or changed. It's just consistent. Number four, Latin protects. This kind of is implied by the second point. Latin protects the theological meaning 
of the text. It protects the text. So words that might change over time, for example, substance. These things change over time. Substance can refer to drugs, right? It can refer to substance abuse. But when we talk about substance, for example, in the Nicene Creed, we're talking about the very essence and nature of God. Same thing for the word accidents. That has to do with the properties that are incidental to the substance. But in modern language, in English, accidents mean it can mean you peed your pants or it can mean you wrecked your car. You had an accident. So already in this important philosophical, theological language, there's been shifts. And Latin protects us from those shifts. Number five, Latin veils what it depicts. Latin, in a way, is a veil. And you could say, well, Latin, in a way, excludes people. Not everybody knows Latin. I've spent many years studying Latin, reading Latin. Even still, when I get to certain texts, I can be lost or uncertain of exactly what's being stated in there. So wouldn't that mean that praying in that language would be bad? No. Actually, there should be certain veils in religion, we put a veil on the tabernacle. Does that mean we don't want people to have the Eucharist? No, it means there's something sacred there and it gets covered. We put a veil on a nun. Does that mean we want people not to ever be around a nun? No, it means we put a veil over something mysterious. We put veils on our priests. We call them vestments, the chasuble. We're covering things up because we're saying, look, this is, this is set apart. This is not just normal every day. We're now moving into something higher and something more solemn. Number six, Latin expresses unity. We can come together and you can have a Vietnamese friend and a Spanish friend and a Mexican friend and a German friend and an American friend and a Nigerian friend. And probably all of you would not be able to pray the rosary in a common language, unless you were Roman Catholic and you could pray in Latin. And that's a beautiful thing, especially when you're on pilgrimages or when you visit Rome, that you're able to pray the rosary together and everybody's on an equal footing because you're using the language of Mother Church. The seventh reason is uniformity. Often in contemporary settings, we want diversity. Everything is diversity. You have to have a diverse um, student body and you have to have a diverse workplace and all that. But Latin brings with it a uniformity. What's interesting about that uniformity, as I just mentioned in the previous point, is you can bring about all kinds of diverse backgrounds. The Nigerian, the German, the Vietnamese, the Spaniard, all that diversity. But we're all brought together, not only in the unity of the faith and unity of the prayers, but there's a uniformity in words, in pace, it all works. There's nothing awkward or broken about it. It's like singing in harmony. The same notes. Nothing is off. Uniform. Like you wear a uniform. You can have people of all different skin colors, different heights, different weights, but they can all wear a uniform, and that brings a uniformity to the group of people. They're all different people, different gifts, but they're all part of the same unit, that same troop. That's what Latin does for us. Number eight, Latin preserves the faith. It does this in a number of ways. 
it protects the language. It invokes transcendence, that we're doing something above the pedestrian. And it connects us over time with other Christians who prayed in Latin. When you pray the rosary in Latin or the mass in Latin or any of these devotions in Latin, you're saying the same consonants, vowels, syllables, the same way that St. Augustine said it, or St. Leo the Great, or St. Gregory the Great, or Thomas Aquinas. Exactly the same. That connects you with sort of this river of tradition. And by doing that, you are preserving the faith because you're in that stream. It's passed on directly. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but sometimes I've prayed uh, a rosary in Spanish or other languages. I'm not multilingual, but I have studied other languages like French, Spanish, uh, German, Greek. So I'm somewhat familiar. And, and if I have the paper with me, I can I can pray in these languages. But I've noticed, I, I know enough of these languages, German, especially in the Spanish, that the even the Hail Mary is somewhat different than the way it's expressed in Latin or the way it's in, even expressed in English. There is a little bit of slippage there. Over time, over languages, it could be dangerous. I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that any language right now, their Hail Mary is somehow off. I'm just saying that in order to keep things preserved, here's an example. I remember being on pilgrimage. We went to Jerusalem and we are at a certain site and we were all going to, it was the, um, the church of, oh, what's it called? Elena. I can't remember the exact name in the Greek, but anyway, all around in that church is the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, and all these different languages. And it's quite impressive when you look at all the different languages. But we went and we found the Latin one. In our group, which had people from all different countries, it wasn't just American, it wasn't just English speakers. We had people from all different nations. We could come and we stood before that version, the Latin version, and we prayed the Our Father together. And it united our group. And it preserved the original words that has always been said in the Our Father, in the Mass. And number nine it expresses unity with the Roman church. The Roman church, Rome, the language of Rome is Latin. It's the Roman language. So when you're using the Roman language, you are implicitly, and perhaps you could say explicitly, affirming the prerogatives and the primacy of the Roman church. Otherwise, if, if the Roman church wasn't important, then the Roman language uh, would just sort of be a historical incident or a historical accident. It wouldn't be significant, but it is significant. And then number 10, the devil hates Latin. You can hear this from every exorcist I've ever spoken to has always said, Latin is more powerful in exorcism and the devils and the demons hate it when the priest begins to exorcise them and use the Latin language against them. So those are the 10 reasons. I hope that you find at least a few of them convincing so that you'll take that next step and begin learning these great prayers. The Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, the Apostles' Creed, the Salve Regina, all these great prayers in Latin for the 10 benefits that we just covered. Now, here on 
on my podcast and here on YouTube, we will be learning the entire rosary in Latin and learning the prayers. There's also some other videos on how to pray the rosary. So I would encourage you to look at those other videos. And there's also a playlist on the rosary on my channel at Dr. Taylor Marshall Catholic Podcast. So look at those other videos. Maybe don't jump right into it, but if you like this video, please like this video, please subscribe to this channel, and then look at the rosary playlist on my channel and start to learn more about the rosary. I also have a book called the, it is the Rosary in 50 Pages. It's a short book, only 50 pages, but it gives you the history, the theology, um, the saints, the customs, everything, even how to pray a good rosary, and then it gives you all the prayers in English and Latin. So maybe check that out as well. And make sure you pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. Thanks for watching. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you'd like to learn more about the rosary, I have a whole playlist on the theology of the rosary, why pray the rosary, also how to pray the rosary in English, how to pray the rosary in Latin. So click on that rosary playlist on the right side of the screen. Before you do, please subscribe to this channel. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. God bless.